Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the sirens. Welcome back to another sinister episode of Sirens of Horror. As always, I'm your mistress of evil, Ella Ivella, along with... Ash Vicious. And uh, last night we watched Lights Out. Yeah, yep, we did. I only got punched once. I was happy. Yeah, I mean, you were definitely prepared to have to be wearing a giant pillow suit. In fact, I think you actually showed me videos um, I, I made one. Uh, well, we'll post it. I, I just <laughs> put, went in the corner of the couch and just stacked pillows around me. So I made myself like a tiny pillow fort. <laughs> she she was prepared for massive punching, but I only punched her once. Yes, I was very proud of you. You, you, you handled the movie very well. I was actually, like, to be honest, I was actually very intrigued by the movie. It's It starts out, like, I honestly think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very similar to the short. Which, actually, fun fact about that movie, the woman that plays uh, Esther, his... Assistant? Assistant, is actually the woman from the short. I, when we were watching it last night, I had that moment where I'm like, you look really familiar. Same, I had the same thing, and then I, you know, because that's what I do, I look up my random facts of randomness, <laughs> and that was, that was her. Oh, that's, that's, that's cool they brought yeah. her in. Well, not only did they bring her in, her husband is the director. Well, that. So that was their first, because of that short, having gone so so viral on the internet, mm-hmm. that was their first Hollywood debut. That is what brought them into Hollywood. Oh, that's so cool. So this was his first movie, and he was like, well, you were in the short, honey, so let's put you in the movie. That's really cool, because uh, I know, I believe James Wan produced it. There, I, James Wan's done a lot of really cool producing mm-hmm. with, like, finding short films on the internet. Uh, same way the guy that did the Mama short directed Mama. Yeah. It's really cool that James Wan is finding these shorts, and he is not just taking the story. Yeah. He's not just being like, oh, here's a bunch of money, I'm gonna buy the rights, and I'm gonna He's give it to... He's literally just expanding on that short. Yeah. Which I think is, is great, because I think... Like, when somebody makes a short like Lights Out, like Mama, they have a vision. They know these characters. Mm-hmm. And it, it's great to see, like, that's one thing I do love about the horror community so much, is it is super inclusive. Yeah. And James Wan's really helping to expand that into, like, the indie genre. Mm-hmm. Another um, small little fun fact about the short and the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So six minutes into the movie, on the shelf in uh, the dad's office yeah. is a little bobblehead with the smiling face from the original short. So it's that creature thing that freaked the fuck out of me <laughs> when you first showed me the short is a little bobblehead on his shelf in his office. Oh, that's so cool. So I kind of, like, I obviously hadn't catched, didn't catch it when it was watch- we were watching the movie at first, but, like, I don't know, like, after we record this, I kind of wanted to go back, watch those, like, six minutes into the movie and see if I can find it again. Find the bobblehead. Like, I found it! That's really cool. That's 
fun. They, they brought so much of the short into the movie itself. Into the movie yeah. to be like, yes, we're making a movie and obviously like it's different and you know, mm-hmm. the plot is greatly expanded. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's cool that they, they had so much, uh, it, it makes sense if he directed the original mm-hmm. that he would want to be like, oh, I made this thing. Let me sprinkle Add a little, little Easter eggs and into my my now like feature film about this tiny little short that I made years ago that went completely viral. Yeah, and uh, that that creature is still just there's something about the giant smile that's just really yeah unnerving. And I think I mean that seeing. The, you find out later in the movie, the, the, you know, the creature's name is Diana. Yeah. Um, seeing Diana for the first time in just kind of that, like, dark, creepy silhouette with the really long fingers, but the, like, very feminine looking body and the the hair. crazy hair. kind of crazy hair. Reminded me a lot of Mama. Yeah. And... Having already seen Mama, I wasn't as terrified of the creature being in the dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, if I did see something like that, if I, when I go home, when I come home at six o'clock in the after, or six o'clock in the evening on Monday after work, the lights are, like, the apartment's pretty dark. Yeah. I'm going to put my hand in first <laughs> and flip the light in now. Like. It's just checking. Just, I, I've always, that was one thing I've always been terrified about, like, even before having even seen the short, even seeing the movie, is, like, you never know what could actually be in the dark. Yeah. I mean, like... Or, like, and sometimes your eyes do play a trick on you. Like, you see, like, your shadow kind of somehow casting some sort of weird light, like, as you walk in, and you're like, oh, shit. I remember uh, the first time we watched Lights Out, uh, quite a bit ago, um, we were doing something the next day. Uh Uh-huh. But I had turned a dress or probably it was a dress but I had turned it like out on my closet to be like okay here's the dress you can just grab it in the morning and uh in our uh bedroom we have the lights from the alley kind of come in through our blinds like our room's never completely dark same with ours in Uh, my apartment the light hit I like woke up because Josh or Daisy somebody moved me and I like rolled over to go cuddle Josh and I saw the dress, and for, like, a split second, it turned into Diana. <laughs> and I remember I, like, jumped back and, like, woke up Josh, and he's like, what, what? And I'm like, nothing, nothing, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not scared of horror films, I'm not scared of movies, just, just gonna hug you, hug you very tight, hug you very tight. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, like, again, not, for me, like, I think this happened actually a couple days ago for me. I think because in my in my mind I was kind of preparing myself for we're going to watch Lights Out. Yeah, you, you were you were mentally preparing yourself. Um, and so having having seen the short, I kind of recalled the oh, like every time the light turns off, you see the figure of a woman. Mm-hmm. So I had gone like I got home, turned on the light in the living room as I always do, went into the bedroom to like take off my um, take off my shoes and put on my slippers, and I hadn't so like the way our bedroom is is. I used to have a light that you could turn on in the hallway, but that one burnt out. Mm-hmm. So now I have to go a little bit across the hallway and turn on the bath, uh, turn on the vanity light. Yeah. And then go further into the room to turn on the bedroom light. Yeah. 
So I turned on, like, just before I turned on the vanity light, out of the corner, like, my eyes did that, like, I'm playing a trick on you thing. Oh, yeah. Where, like, out of the corner of my eye, I could have sworn I saw a figure of someone sitting on Chris's side of the bed. Huh. And I was like, nope, light on. <laughs> I know. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. <laughs> um, I, I definitely think the, the fear of the dark. Um, so, like, you, you kind of get your first, like, real plot to the film is with, is with Martin mm-hmm. and his mom. Uh, but I think kind of starting off the film with Martin... And the idea of, like, locking your bedroom door and keeping the lights on is is such a fear, I think, every kid. Like, for me, um, this, this was my random childhood, like, phobia, is uh, I was terrified of raptors. Okay. I was legitimately, like, worried raptors were going to show up in Porter Ranch. I was eight. <laughs> um... But I remember, like, when you're a kid, you have an overactive imagination and everything. Um, there were times where I swear, because, like, I would leave my door open sometimes, where I would see, like, the head. Mm-hmm. That raptor head, like, creeping in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Or I had a really big room, and I actually had really powerful blinds. I had, like, wooden blinds growing up when I was a little kid. So my room would be pretty dark when I was a kid. Um, and I remember actually, like, Using my, like, birthday money to buy a nightlight at one point. Because I didn't want to, like, ask my parents for a nightlight. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm badass and I read scary stories and all this stuff. But I remember, like, going to Walmart or Target or Kmart, whatever existed back then. <laughs> and, like, buying a bunch of stuff with, like, my birthday money. And I kind of, like, kept the nightlight hidden. Mm-hmm. Like, below stuff. So that way, when I bought it, like, of course my mom saw it. Mm-hmm. Eight. Yeah. I don't think I paid for it. I don't think I swiped my visa. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you had to give, like, you gave your mom, like, your little $10 of birthday money. You'd be like, can you buy my things? Yeah, so my mom, of course, saw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I remember, like, having to have the nightlight in my room at a certain point because I just kept thinking. Mm-hmm. I was seeing raptors in my room growing up. <laughs> it was so, like, when you're a kid, your your imagination is so powerful, and in the dark, you will see everything. It's funny, as I kind of had a similar thing, but mine was alligators. Hmm. Because, again, I kind of had that similar experience of, like, overreactive eight-year-old little girl imagination, also liking scary things. yeah. And, like, I was in my bed, and, like, I had rolled over to, like, the other, like, I was, like, facing the wall, and then I kind of, like, did that thing where you roll your body over to, like, face the other side. So I faced the open room. Um, I kind of did that thing where you open your eyes just ever so slightly so you make sure you don't roll off the bed. (laughs) Yeah, I was not good at that as a kid. I used to roll off the bed all the time. Same. That's why my mom put little gargoyles on my bed. (laughs) Um, But anyway, and I could have sworn that I saw, like, this tiny alligator with, like, red glowing eyes. Oh, God. And I freaked the fuck out. And then, at that, like, that night, I was like, I don't care. I'm asking my mom. I was like, the next day, I'm like, Mommy, I need a nightlight. 
But I made the excuse of I need it because, like, if I go to the bathroom, I don't want to trip over my toys. Ooh. So, you know, I was clever. I was a clever eight-year-old. I was like, I need a nightlight. But just so I can see when I have to wake up to go to the bathroom. I, I was just sneaky. <laughs> I, I was, we were, we were very Slytherin eight-year-olds. It was already showing. Yep. <laughs> um, but I definitely think that, that, that childhood fear and I mean, there there are even times, like especially at my parents' house. My parents' house is, it, it looks like a film or a house that a horror film should be in. Yes, yes, it does. It's it's two stories. There are windows everywhere. There's a room with dolls. There's a room with dolls. It has an <laughs> L hallway, so like when you end the hallway, you can't actually see, see where you're going. Yep. A staircase that you can only see from like sitting in the living. You can only see half of the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um. So I remember growing up and just, I bought this, it was like a, a bunny or a bear, but it had this thing on it that it would like glow. Oh yeah, I think I remember those, like you hug it and it glows. glows. Yeah. So it was never like bright, it wasn't like a flashlight or anything yeah. like that. But it was just enough that it would, like, it was like a candle almost. And, yeah. like, the light, it would spread out. And I remember I got it, and I thought it was the dumbest thing. And then I kind of realized I could, like, use it to go around the house at night. So I'd, like, press it, and I would hold it. It was a bunny. There we go. So you hold, hold it by it its ears. By its yeah. ears, and it was, like... Of course, for me, like, I felt so powerful, but in reality, I was, like, an eight-year-old holding this bunny out by its ears with its pink glowing stomach being, like... <laughs> it was a very badass mental image for me <laughs> being eight yeah but i don't know like i feel like that second scene with martin when he he wakes up and he hears mom talking talking and dad is dead so he knows he's not talking to dad yeah so he walks in and you hear mom like arguing with something she's staring into the darkness of her closet which just every time they do that shot it's so fucking creepy to me of just like somebody talking to darkness yep. it's just unnerving yeah but yeah she's sitting there talking to darkness and she's like i don't know if i can do that mm-hmm. and you're like what, what is what what is this dark void telling her to do what you know? can you not do and this like kill your children or go on a pogo stick level of can't do <laughs> and she sees her son, Martin, and she's like, oh, you know, honey, why are you roaming the halls? Only adults roam the, hall, the, roam the halls at night. Go back to your bed, blah, blah, blah. It's, everything's fine. We're fine. We're fine. She keeps using the phrase, we, are, we fine. are fine. And I remember the first time I watched that, I was so just like, we? Like, I have my own mental disorders. Um, I don't even refer to me as we. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> And an adult staring into a dark closet saying, we, we is, that's, that's a little level of insanity where you're like, eh. All right, I'm okay. gonna slowly back up. And then you have that scene where he's like, okay, so he walks back, but he's walking backwards, watching mom. Yeah. And then you see the hands. Oh, her hands are Like so- those just long Javier Botet fingers. It's not Javier Botet, but... Like, those just long, emaciated fingers literally curling around the edge of the, they, they, they the door did. jam. 
And then you see, you don't see her hair. You just, you see, just the, see the, the hands pinpoint. and the pinprick eyes. Yeah, she's, uh, the character Diana, that's the, the ghost demon thing. Uh, they don't give her, like, just this silhouetted figure. She's got these, like, white, which I love the fact they're not red, they're not yellow. They're just little pinpricks of white, white. Mm-hmm. And it's so unnerving. Because, like, you get, like, oh, red's a demon, yellow is, like, an animal. You know, every werewolf film, you'll get the mm-hmm. shot of the yellow eyes. Uh, but the white eyes, I don't think I've ever actually seen. Yeah. Where it's just perfect pinpricks of that. And it was so, uh... And then, of course, he goes into his room, and you get the door rattling. Yeah. I was just like, nope! <sighs> I don't know what it is, but, like, door rattling in movies. Shaking. Yeah. That is just, I think because I lived alone for a mm-hmm. really long time. Uh, in my 20s, I had my own apartment. I lived alone. And there would be this this kid that lived on my floor. Mm-hmm. But she would come by and do that. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a single time she didn't do that that I didn't, like, jump across my <laughs> living room. Because it was just like, oh, la, 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 playing video games, doing this. Shake, 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 shake. Fuck! <laughs> Home invasion! Demon! <laughs> Creatures! Yeah. It was just creepy. <laughs> yeah, and it's... For me, I think yeah, the door rattling is definitely a creepy thing. Um, What, what I think was really kind of cool, uh, like, about the door rattling, about all this, is um, similar to, like, Insidious and Conjuring. Mm-hmm. I feel like they... He was really smart, the director, and he pulled so many classic kind of horror... Like, scenes. Mm-hmm. The the door rattling, the kid hiding. Um, there's a scene in the end where they're in the basement. Yeah. And the door gets slammed on them. There's so many of these very classic scenes that, like, even as an adult, you still have some degree of fear of. Especially if you, like us, watched a lot of horror films when you were maybe a little too young to watch horror <laughs> films. No one was going to stop us. We had our nightlight. Uh, but he, he did such a good job about pulling these, like particular scenes that I think were so classic but in a way that didn't feel like it was like steps yeah like he took those scenes but made it incorporated into the movie mm-hmm. um I mean yeah like so then after you know after we see Diana I think for like probably like the second time really uh, we see her in the in the beginning in the warehouse with the dummies. Yeah. Um, which also, the dad owns a mannequin factory? Who the fuck owns a mannequin factories? <laughs> I just remember, like, in the beginning, I was like, Is, are the mannequins going to come into this? Yeah, I was like, oh, God, mannequins. <laughs> like, I had, you know, flashbacks to the Doctor Who episode when the mannequins come alive when you first meet Rose. You're just like, oh, God, mannequins are going to come alive. <laughs> Mine's the Twilight Zone episode with it. Because I did that, then I got locked in a Macy's? Like, a week later, when I was a kid? <laughs> so I, just, I don't like mannequins. They're weird. Yeah, they're I know. Mannequins are terrifying. <laughs> but they never really come into play. Well, they kind of do at the end. Uh, but then you, you mean... I have a fun fact about that. The mannequins? Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 is... <laughs> so, a little bit of a fast-forward spoiler, spoiler alert thing. When they're in the base, you're listening yeah. to this podcast. You know, there's just... you know, there's spoiler alerts. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, we don't unspoil these films. <laughs> um, there is so 
in the basement, there's you know, there's a scene where Becca, the sister of Martin, she's kind yeah. of a, she's kind of our main character yeah. in this film, which is kind of interesting because I realize we're talking about the first like twenty minutes of the film, and we don't see Becca, the main right. character. Becca is the main character, guys. <laughs> we haven't even talked about her. <laughs> Um, until this moment at the end. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's going through the basement of their house. Oh god, this black light that shot so yeah. creepily. So, where is it? Um, the mannequins in the basement scene of the house were not brought in for the movie. What? They were already placed there by the owner of the house. What the fuck? Who has melted fucking mannequins in their basement? Mm-mm. 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 All right. This film was scary. This film was intense. <laughs> that fact, I think, is the creepiest fucking thing I've heard. Oh, no. There's more about this house. Oh, God. Can I have the address so I never go there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could get it from Sierra because it was uh, not only featured in this film, it was also featured in... The Ouija films and Ouija Origin of Evil. Oh, yes. Uh, one of our, our lovely uh, friends, Sierra, uh, was the original girl from Ouija. Mm-hmm. She's an adorable little five-foot angel that <laughs> plays horror characters all the time. I love mm-hmm. her so much. Um, but yeah, so after filming, the house mysteriously, or the basement, mysteriously caught fire. Like, a day after production, just mysteriously caught fire. Mysteriously. Uh Uh-huh. Someone pissed off something. (laughs) This is why you don't keep fucking melted mannequins. Oh, (laughs) can you imagine that poor, like, set designer? (laughs) Going down there? Oh. No, I just imagine, like, okay, so, you know, we're we're location scouting. We found this great gorgeous house looked like probably like somewhere in glendale like i thought it was pasadena because it looked like a bunch of the houses that i used to walk past when i walked the only reason i thought it was glendale is the hills yeah um which i i think you're right it was it was probably glendale because of the hills but like i remember walking past a very similar looking house when i would um walk my old dog emma with my mom when Mm -hmm. she and i lived in pasadena together and you know like i totally imagine the set director the director art director whatever like Going out location scouting and finding this house. Like, oh, this is a really nice house. Talk to the owner. Hey, we'd love to use your house for a film that we're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the film. Oh, yeah, sure. Can we check out the house? Oh, God. There's fucking creepy mannequins here. Ooh, there's creepy mannequins. There's creepy mannequins. What if we make dad work in mannequin factory? Because we never, like, in the short, nothing ever says that No. there's a mannequin Back. factory. So maybe <laughs> I I I don't I don't remember seeing the sign on the wall. Husband work at mannequin factory. <laughs> or like, you know, like paychecks or something that said he works at mannequin factory. So I maybe like how we've just named the mannequin factory mannequin factory. Yeah, that's the name of the mannequin factory, mannequin factory. I think they actually say it's like something textiles, but I don't fucking remember. <laughs> um, I wasn't paying attention to your fucking thing. I was paying attention to the woman in the darkness. Yeah. Um but like I now I'm going to go with the theory that they location scouted, they saw the creepy ass fucking basement with weird fucking melting mannequins, and decided, hey, let's incorporate the melty fucking mannequins. I mean, mannequins are are great. They're they they are unnerving. They look like people. They don't move. 
You never know if there's a person hiding amongst the mannequins. Yeah, they're a great little trope. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a bad thing. You did a good job, people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we should kind of backtrack a little bit. We did mention <laughs> Becca. Becca yeah. is kind of our main character. She is our badass fucking female. She is She is super powerful. It's uh, She is the older sister to Martin. Yes, and... Uh, you, it's revealed that uh, the father that was killed in the very beginning is her stepfather. Yeah. That her father ran out on them. Or did he? Mm-hmm. Um. um <laughs> we both just say um, um at the same time now. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's real that, that the guy that was killed in the beginning was her stepdad. She's already moved out. She's living on her own above, like, a little tattoo shop and, like, a loft above a tattoo shop. As one does when you're a, like, badass 20-something. She did remind me a lot of you, Ella. (laughs) Especially that moment where, like, she's with her lovely boyfriend, Brett. The greatest man to ever exist in a horror film. Oh, Brett, you are a perfect little angel. (laughs) He's so good in this movie. Um, but yeah, she lives up there with Brett, and, like, there's this cute little scene with her and Brett. He's, like, they, you know, like, they're laying on the couch together, or laying on her bed together, and he's, like, she's, like, you should probably go, and he's, like, well, I could shower with you. No, I smell like girly stuff. Like, she's doing everything. Get out. (laughs) To, like, get him out of the house. You've had sex. Leave now. And he's, like, well, what if I leave a sock? What do you mean if you leave a sock? What are you gonna do with one sock? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Um, but yeah, she, that, the, in that little scene, she definitely reminded me a lot of you. It's, it's definitely that, uh, the, the guarded 20-something-year-old female who has commitment issues, which I very much, I mean, Josh and I's beginning of our relationship, we, we dated. And I'm married now, so I'm finally gonna give up the charade. We dated for, like, three months. Yep. That I refused to tell anyone we were dating. Yep. And then people will be like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm spending it with Josh. But we're not dating. We're not a couple. Nothing's happening. I just spend a lot, a lot of time with him. And we go out to movies and dinners. But that's it. We're not dating. We're not dating. Uh, we're doing everything that is under the umbrella of dating. But we're not dating. But we're not dating. <laughs> and that poor, poor man dealt with that for about four months. <laughs> he, he just, he stuck that around. I needed needed a stubborn one, which, and and Brett reminded me a lot of Josh, just in that, just like, okay. I'll deal with it. Fine. I mean, uh, there was a point, I forget what was going on, but I literally went over to Josh's, Uh told him we're not dating, we're never going to date, and then passed out on his bed. (laughs) And I looked back and he, I was like, what did you think in that moment? I asked him this years later, and he was like, you had had a rough day, drove to my place. And the only thing I could think was, okay, honey, okay, yeah, we're not dating. Mm-hmm. This is never going to happen. Do you want to come to bed now? <laughs> Which is like, all right, that is a valid, valid thought to yeah. have. But, um, so she ends up, like, the next day she gets a call from the school. Yeah, because from, brother, from her brother's, brother's school because... He's not sleeping. He's not sleeping. Wonder why. <laughs> And it's CPS calling. Mm-hmm. So she shows up. No, it's it's the nurse calling. It's the nurse calling. And then when she shows up, C- CPS is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we find out that Martin's not sleeping, and she immediately goes 
oh, fuck, I know exactly why he's not sleeping. Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of shown that, like, this, like, Diana has, like, affected before, but uh, she's kind of treated it as, like, it was, mom's not okay, mom creates this imaginary person when she's not okay, and, like, it terrified me as a kid, so it's gonna terrify him. She, she has no idea, like, this isn't like, oh, we were once haunted, and now we shall be haunted again. Yeah. She's just treating it, like, and obviously, like, you're seeing the fact that her and her mom do not have a good relationship. They're not friends. She, even in the very beginning, seems very disconnected to Martin. Yeah. So she's kind of just ditched the whole fucking family. But when Martin's starting to go through this, I feel like she connects with him in a way that's like, okay, like, I did this. You're going to get past it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I'll take, you can sleep at my place tonight. Yeah. And it's fine. Which is when Diana follows Martin. That scene was with the scratching. Well, no, not even that. So, so again, you don't see Diana when the lights turn on because she doesn't like light. Yeah. So, and she lives above the tattoo shop. So you see the little like neon light. The and tattoo I love shop. It's red. Yeah. Um. So like that fluorescent just flash every once in a while of the red. And she it, disappears. And then she's, and then she's there. And well, then she disappears. Well, she's scratching. And you hear the scratching. She's scratching her name, name into, into the floorboards and with the, a little stick figure. Oh, yeah. Her little stick. But there's something about the this this looming shape and the scratching. Because I think we, we discussed it um, last week about Slender Man mm-hmm. when I was discussing the Bye Bye Man. Yeah. When there was the scratching outside the windows, and then, mm-hmm. of course, like, you don't see it and everything. But there's something about, like, just that scratching noise that I think hits some primal part of my brain to be, like, Predator. Mm-hmm. Like, something has claws. And yeah. that that's a creepy part for me, is that clawing, scratching, like... I can eviscerate you mm-hmm. with my body. I don't have a knife. I'm not carrying a weapon. Yeah. This is me. Yeah, like, <laughs> I am the weapon. I am the weapon. And then, like, she, then she sees it. Oh, that turn. That turn. The, like, so she, and then, she like, kinda, Diana realizes. She crawls out of bed and, like, is on the level of Diana. Yeah, like, she, because she's like, what is, like, she's like. Because she first thinks it's Martin. Right, she's like, Martin, what are you doing? Or like, whatever. And then she kind of like crawls out of the bed, and she's on the like floor level with Mar- uh, with Diana, Diana, thinking it's Martin. And then Diana just does that quick turn. Her movements are. And so then she does sharp. that like that the the creepy skitter. Yeah. That just fucking terrifies both me and Ella too. We we've discussed this, All... the, the the ways when bodies move in ways they shouldn't make us both very uncomfortable. Yeah. So Diana does that little skitter thing and then just fucking lunges at Becca. And the light comes on, like, the split second before the claws would have reached the throat. Yeah. But yeah, that split second when the lights turn on before her, before the claws get to her is just... And then she runs across to, like, hit the light. Mm-hmm. And then she finds poor Martin, like, asleep in the bathtub with, like, a flashlight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh god, this kid is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, and then Martin ends up going back home, uh, 
we get like a little bit more about like the her sis the sister and Brett are doing some research, and that's when you first kind of start learning about um, Mulberry Hill. Brett's not doing the research. She's basically Brett just kind of drove her to the house. Brett is and just emotional like, support. Yeah, and she was like, "If you see my mom, go out the back door." He's like, "I know." And she she goes and she, she goes into like the office or I whatever. Think it's the dad's office. Yeah, she goes in the dad's office. She finds the paperwork and stuff, mm-hmm. and and that's when it. you get the story of Diana. Yeah, who Diana was. So yeah, so Diana was this uh, little girl who had a, a skin condition. I mm-hmm. guess she was literally allergic to the sun. Not not like how Mina's allergic to the sun, <laughs> uh, but like will catch fire allergic to the sun. Yeah, and uh, she was found. I think they said like thirteen. Mm-hmm. And her father had locked her in the basement, then killed himself, and written in blood, uh, she gets in your head. Yeah. Which I thought was just... Like, small, creepy children. I played Silent Hill a lot when I was a kid. Same. (laughs) So, like, she kind of looks like, in, in the pictures, I think it's Samara... She does. She totally does look like Samara. She's got the the long hair, the the kind of. She like... also does kind of remind me a little bit of Sharon too. Yeah. So like she's like Sharon and Samara like mixed together into one creepy child, dude. Oh, that's it. I'm just at one point. If my kid has, there's no way our kids. Well, I guess like genetics. Our kid will most likely have black hair. Yep. Because both me and Josh are super dark. I mean, there's a chance we could throw a blonde gene. I could have a blonde kid, which I would just be... I will make the joke forever that it's the milkman's. <laughs> um, but if I do, I'm just going to one day ruffle her hair up and put her, like, in a gauzy gown and be like, go walk on the street. Gord. No, it's what you do for Halloween. You just... We're just, like, don't say a word. Just be, like, super quiet and just walk. And then just film people's reactions as she just walks. Josh comes home. Are you using her child as a horror, like, short again? Yes. She is fun. Leave her alone. Uh, but she meets, uh, Diana meets the mom mm-hmm. in the mental institution, which I liked because, like, the mom is shown to have severe depression. Uh, and I like how they show severe depression. Because I feel like a lot of times when they show depression, it, it's just somebody sad. Yeah. They don't show the fact that you have manic episodes when you're depressed. You have episodes where you can't, you can get delusional. You can like, it's it's not just, I'm sad. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people think, oh, depression is just, you're sad all the time. And I'm like, no. No, you can have a manic episode where you're like, I'm ridiculously happy because of this thing and it's amazing and oh my God. And then like the it day, crashes. The, then you get that like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I am now like, yes, I am now sad, but it. It just, it's not just sadness. Yeah. Um, so they show the fact that the mom has had depression since childhood. Yeah. Um, and th- there's this beautiful little photo, and they put, the mom is blonde, so they give her these, like, not ringlets, but, like, big blonde wavy hair, and she's mm-hmm. in this blue dress, and there's Diana, and she's in, like, kind of a dirty gray dress. Yeah. And she's got the umbrella, and you can't see her face. And I was like, oh. Well, I guess we're really showing just the dichotomy of these two characters mm-hmm. real strong right now. Um, and then you find out they tried to do um, 
an experiment on her. Yeah, to see if they could, I guess, um, like, and they were trying to heal her. Try to heal her skin condition, yeah. Yeah, and they, they weren't, like, this isn't, like, Kevorkian, like, yeah, torture experiments. They, they thought they could save her and heal her. Uh, they ended up, I, I don't know how, but, like, it, they don't even show a body. It shows, like, she, like, spontaneously combusted, almost. Yeah. Um, but they did it via very bright light. Yeah, it was, like, just almost like a strobe light, I think, is what it was. It was, like... You just kind of see this big light. And it kind of reminded me of, like, the doctor's lights. Mm -hmm. For, like, surgery and stuff. Um, But it it eventually led to Diana's death. Um, And what's kind of, like, what gives it that kind of creepy aspect to it is... So, Becca, while looking at pictures of Diana and her mom, while reading about Diana's skin condition, she's listening to recordings about Diana. Yeah. And you can hear her talk about, um, Becca's mom. Yeah, like, uh, like, why did you hurt her? Yeah. And all you hear is Diana go, because I don't want you to go near her. Uh, no, it was, I know I don't want her to get better. Yeah. I don't want her to get better. And that, that's... I want her to be with me forever. Like, <sighs> and then you can, and then, like, it cuts to, like, you know, like, the audio cuts to the doctor saying, okay, so we're, we're you know, this is day one of the experiment. We're to, to heal her. To heal her. We're doing the thing. And then you hear other doctors, like, talking about it and, like, preparing. And then you just hear Diana scream. And you hear her scream. And then you hear the doctor, like, saying, stop, stop, you're hurting her. But the other doctor's like, no, we have to fix her. We have to fix her. And then you just hear her screaming in, like, pain and agony. And, and then you hear the electric cuts. buzzing, and it just... The cutting, I think, was, like, the nothing. creepiest part about it. And then you just hear the doctor, like, talking to her, like, like, freaked out, like, oh my god, what happened to her? Like, yeah, there's nothing except for this, and then you see a picture of... The chair, but the it's chair, just ash. And you see, like, a burnt-in silhouette of a human body. Yeah, that's, and that's it. Um... And I feel like that's that's such an interesting, and we were discussing this a little bit last night. Of um, I think a lot of a lot of ghosts that are, are particularly haunting somebody, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like somebody coming back from the dead. Um, it's a lot of lovers. It's a lot of vengeance. But this one was a friendship, it, and it's not a only twisted. it's a twisted and toxic friendship. And <laughs> Ella and I have both had those relationships of twisted and toxic friendships. Yeah, um, there is definitely, I've definitely had a friendship that, like, it was very much, like, it, it got to the point where I didn't know, I, I kind of worried for other friendships. Mm-hmm. Because at a certain point, the friendship felt, like, all-consuming. Like, she had to be involved in everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, you know, I have you, I have Josh, I have Stefan, I have I have a large and really loving community. And I think when, when you get that person that wants to be, like, the, the center point of your life, mm-hmm. it, it gets so toxic so fast. But, like, I, I almost felt for the mom. Because mm-hmm. you can tell... That, like, Diana's being like, you left me. Because she keeps repeating that. It's like, I left her alone. It's my fault. Yeah. So it's almost, it, it's a lot of gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's that scene where um, Martin and the mom are on the couch. Because he's like, 
You're watching. They're doing movie yeah, night. They're, she's they're like, trying okay. to get normal. Yeah. It's just like, mom's like, okay, you know, and the lights are on. We're watching the movie. The and mom's trying. The mom is trying. And then I feel like she kind of hears, like, we don't hear it, but I feel like she has that moment. Where she hears Diana? Where she hears Diana because she suddenly switches from, like, we're hanging out, we're having a movie night, to... I'm going to turn off all... I need to show you. Yeah, I I noticed... Like, she goes, I'll be right back. And then she turns off the light. And then you see Martin just like, no, Mom, no, because she's going to come back. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Like, you need to see her, you need to understand. She's. It's not her fault. It's it's not not her fault. fault. It's mine. I left her alone, and I... You need to understand. And that's what, like, I I feel like I've seen a bunch of stuff uh, recently about this and about... Uh, of course, like, nowadays everybody knows what gaslighting is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times gaslighting is referred to romantic relationships. Yeah. But gaslighting has existed. I'm like, I've been through it so many times with toxic friendships. Because mm-hmm. uh, I like stray puppies. And yes. a lot of times stray puppies, you should not take them home is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Talking about people, not actual animals. Take home the puppies. Yes. Actual <laughs> animals, yes. People, mm. when they have that, people that have that... I'm a stray, helpless puppy, and I need you in my I life. Need, you're I need gonna you. Fix me. You're gonna fix me. I need you. Those relationships are bad. Very bad. Very bad. Um, it's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> uh, but but it's really interesting because I've been seeing more and more stuff about it about gaslighting in friendships. Uh huh. Where like you look at it and it's that idea of like you have to agree with the person. You feel like if you have a different opinion than the person that they'll treat it like you're betraying them or you're trying to hurt them or you don't have... It's that whole, like, ride or die thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I'm not a ride or die girl. I'm not just going to, like, agree with you. That's not a fucking friendship. Yeah. Like, there are plenty of times between both of us that we've been angry at somebody, had an opinion on something, and we've both been like, no, you're being a fucking psycho chill Mm -hmm. like sit down i'm gonna pour you some whiskey we're gonna talk about it but no you don't have the fucking right to be pissed no you're in the wrong and that's why we have a good friendship yeah (laughs) (laughs) if we were to just both agree we would currently be sitting in the world of slytherin ruled by ash and ella because we would have just agreed that everybody was trash and we would have taken over the world by now valid Wait, why, why have we not just agreed with each other? <laughs> I feel like I've somehow contradicted my own argument about this being a good thing. <laughs> um, but that, that's what makes a good friendship, I think, is is being able to fight. Yeah. And being able to disagree, being able to be like, okay, well, I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that makes a good, a good relationship. But you see it so deeply in the mom that she is just hammered yeah that it's all her fault yeah and that is so terrifying yeah i mean like i said in that the scene with the movie night when she's trying to be normal she literally has that moment of my son and i are sitting here together we're watching they're hugging they're hugging they're snuggled up on the couch and it's all like you know like oh mom mom and son are bonding yeah. And then something in her just clicks. And she's like, I I, I shouldn't be doing this. He's getting too close. I, I think and she's mad. She's mad. So he's like, she's like, 
I want, I'll be right back. She pauses the movie, turns off the light. And, she's, and the son and then of course back, freaking. Right. And then she comes back to sit down on the couch. Like, everything is fine. And you, you see Diana first. What, what I really liked about this scene, actually, is when she starts turning off the lights, you see Diana, like, next to the front door. Yeah. And it's just, it's the silhouette you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, do a camera switch to, like, uh, facing the couch. And Diana is up on the couch, and it kind of reminded me of uh, in Jennifer's body. Yes, that when, like demonic sit when the the legs are popped up and the hands are down. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of and it's it's right there. And of course, Martin freaks the fuck out as any goddamn person would. And you see Diana go to like scratch him. Yeah, and the mom still in this scene, like as Martin's running out of the house, is still defending. Diana. Diana. It's not her fault. You scared her. It's not her fault. I left her alone. And that's, like, I think the point in the film where you really get why how deep Diana's claws are in the mom where, like, yeah, there's, and I feel like at that point, you really feel like there's no hope for the mom. Yeah. And then at some point, I remember, like, Brett and the sister show up. Right? That's that's when uh, you find out about Mulberry. That's before the movie scene. Well, no, because Brett and the sister show up, and that's when we get the whole basement and everything. That's not... Oh, that's afterwards. I was also thinking there's also the other scene um, that I just remembered about... The main girl's name again is... Becca. Becca, thank you. <laughs> You couldn't remember your name last night, and I couldn't remember the main character. Okay? I haven't had enough caffeine. We're literally recording this the morning after watching a horror film till 2 a.m. <laughs> Not our brightest idea. But uh, Becca goes to the house when they find the Mulberry Files. And she goes into Martin's room and finds... They get this, like, back... Like, flashback. Backflash. Flashback. Flashback. <laughs> um, of... Her drawing, like, Mommy, Daddy, and Me, and the lights flicker, and the... No! You get the flashback when she... Rewind, when she sees the scratches under the... Because remember, she moves the rug, she sees the scratches, scratches. So Diana, you get this... and the stick figure, and it flashes back, because she looks at... Because it zooms in on the stick, stick figure. figure. And then you get this flashback of little Becca sitting in her room... Coloring. Coloring a little stick figure picture, Mommy, Daddy, and Me. Yeah, as as children want to do. And then you hear the scratch, 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 scratch in her closet. Yeah, and it's it's her drawing it. So I, I like the fact that they did give us backstory. To so like Diana has always been there. Yeah, like this is not something that's new. Uh, but the scene before the film, uh, which I find interesting, is uh, Becca goes into Martin's room. And Diana's in there, and she turns off light, and she grabs Becca by the necklace. Yeah, and you, and like, you don't you don't even see it; you just see the necklace float. Oh, up. and then and then you get the shot of her like in the corner. Yeah, because you see the necklace float up, and you see then Becca you see jet up, and then you see her just but what dangling I, her from the ceiling. Uh, but what I thought was kind of interesting about that is she she doesn't like scratch Becca; she doesn't bite Becca. She's just like, you're not going to take her away from me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting idea that at a certain point, of course, by the end, like, all hell has broken loose. Yeah. But it, it is this, uh, Diana, of course, being very, very uh, 
overprotective, controlling, but I feel like there's a line for Diana Mm -hmm. where she's like, I can't hurt the kids. Right. I can tell them to go fuck off very brutally, but I cannot hurt them. Yeah. Because that will hurt, um, I don't remember the mom's name, but that'll, yeah, that'll hurt the mom. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious if discussing this, if it's, um, it'll hurt the mom or if the mom will leave me. Do you think Diana actually gives a shit or do you think it's like, I, it'll hurt the mom and she'll leave me. Yeah. So, because she'll be like, if I hurt the kid, she'll realize that I am bad. Yeah. Cause she, there's a scene earlier. She says like, not my kids. Yeah. You can do whatever you want, but not my kids. So it's, it's literally cause like when I first watched it, I was like, oh, she's not attacking the kids. And then I'm like, I don't think it's because she cares. I don't think it's because she's being nice. It's because mom said no. Yeah, it's legitimately like, that's the line that if I cross it. I could lose her forever. I could lose her. Yeah. It's nothing to do with being a good person. And like, how manipulative is that too? Yeah. Like, it's so creepy. Like, if you look at Diana, like, as like, a person. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my lord. Yeah. It is terrifying. (laughs) It is terrifying. Yeah. And then... You know, like, so we're talking about the scene where, like, basically all hell breaks loose. Everyone's in the house. Brett, mom, Diana, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so the kid. Martin, after the, Martin. the uh, TV scene, runs to Becca's. Yeah. And it's Becca, Brett, and Martin kind of decide they're going to make their their stand. Yeah. Like, because she's like, mom's not okay. We need to help mom. We need to help. And Becca's kind of like, I don't care. And Martin... Uh, the, both these men in this one, they're, they're at that point, men. she cares more about Martin and Mar- than she does mom. Yeah, she's because she's, she's going like, back mom, Martin. we need to help mom because of you. You're not okay. Well, she mom, even says, we're, we're calling CPS the next day. Yeah. Like, this like is, we're going to deal with this and we're calling CPS the next day and you're not going to be in that house anymore. And Martin, um, both the men, like all three women in this movie are all kind of emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. Whether because they're dead, insane, or, like, have abandonment issues. <laughs> but both the men in this film are incredibly emotionally, like, available. Mm-hmm. And very insightful, which I really like the yeah, idea like of. Yeah, like, the little, uh, Martin is the damsel in distress, and the... Brett's kind Brett's of... Brett's the, the emotional support. Yeah. It's, it's great to see men taking on these more feminine roles. Uh, but Martin, being, like, a, this eight-year-old kid... Um, so when De- uh, Becca's being like, I'm going to take you away and everything, Martin, like, gets pissed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she's your mom. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of think when Becca's like, shit. You're right. And that's when they start taping all the lights. That's, I feel like, the first time Becca's making a stand. Yeah, they're in the house, they tape the lights. But she's also she making the- a stand for her mom. Yeah. And then she gets... <sighs> The stupidest fucking flashlight ever. The crank one? Why? Why windy flashlight? I mean, that's not going to work. Get a mag light. You can hit something with it. I mean, she is kind of corporeal, so you could probably not only flash it in her eyes and then, you know, bat the shit out of her with a fucking... I've had a few Metal flashlight. I've had a few friends back in in college and in days of, like, going to the beach late at night that have, like in their opinion, playfully smacked me in the shoulder with a maglite. God, those fucking maglites hurt. Yeah. 
And of course, like it was college, so I was like the fucking tiniest person with the biggest mouth. <laughs> Not a lot has changed. <laughs> I'm slightly taller now. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely been like hit even playfully in the shoulder mm-hmm. by a mag light, and that shit hurts. hurts. Yeah. Um, but then uh, everybody's going to bed, and all this stuff's happening, and uh, Becca gets Martin to bed, and. Uh, she has a very cute scene with Brett where she agrees to give him the bottom drawer. Yeah, which I thought was really cute. And that actually kind of reminded me of uh, when Chris and I first started dating. And, you know, like, I would start spending the night a lot at his place. Mine was the bottom left drawer as well. Aww. <laughs> um, I thought it was really funny because I, I didn't actually get a drawer at Josh's. Um, you know me. I leave shit everywhere. Yeah. You can find me by a trail of stuff I leave. and um, <laughs> Ella has been here. <laughs> there's a lot of black and horror. Ella's been in this room. Um, when I was first dating Josh, um, I guess I kept leaving stuff over. Mm-hmm. And um, I came over. I think we, we had, had been official mm-hmm. for a little bit. And... Um, I was like, oh, I wanted to grab, like, a pair of pajama pants or something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, look in the bottom drawer. And he had washed all of, like, the random tank tops and underwear and pajamas that I had left and put it... In that drawer. In a drawer. And I remember, like, almost, like, I still kind of tear up a little bit thinking (laughs) about it because, like, that is my relationship with Josh. Yeah. Like, he is so just emotionally five steps ahead of my stubborn self (laughs) of me being a a very guarded person. Yeah. He's so like, I'm going to do this thing. And when she's ready, I'll show it to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, that's our relationship. But it was, it's so cute. (laughs) And I feel like that, that was cool to kind of see, not at the very end of the movie, but before the climax, you get to see the growth in Becca. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times you don't get growth until, like, the big catastrophic thing. Yeah. And it was nice to see, like, you know, she's sleeping in the bed with Martin. She's doing this. And the big thing is she goes to her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. And she, like, knocks on the door and she's like, we're staying. Yeah, we're staying the night, mom. And her mom has that reaction of, like, you're staying here. She, and, and that scene, that was actually a very powerful scene for me. Like, she opens the door to talk to to talk to Becca. She's like, okay. She opens the door to talk to Becca. She grabs her hand. You don't see her, like, hand or anything yet, but you, she grabs her hand, brings her in for a hug, and she's like, thank, thank you. you. And that, that, that's... And then she, go, like, she then has that, she has that, sna- like, that, like... No, it's, uh... No, see... she, because she has that moment, like, she's like... Because you see she, the, no, the jacket gets she, pulled. Right, but she's hugging, so she's hugging Becca... And then she looks back up and then lets go of Becca. And then you see the jacket get pulled. Oh, that, the, the jacket getting pulled, I don't know what it was about it. But it just, it made my stomach kind of, like, sink a little. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that, like, um, in, in almost a very, like, metaphorical way. Like, when, and I'm sure you'll, you've had this, too, like, when you're having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're finally starting to come out of a panic attack or, like, a downward spiral yeah. or just, like, an episode mm-hmm. of depression or anything. And you start coming out of it, and then you get that one tiny thought. 
Yeah. And it's always something fucking trivial. Like, my microwave isn't clean. Mm-hmm. I am, I am now a bad, I'm an unclean person. I am a human. Yeah. yeah. But it's that one little thought that drags you back in. And that's kind of what that scene was, yeah. But then, you, you know, uh, Becca opens up her hand and she sees this, like, crumpled piece of paper in her hand. And she goes into the bathroom to make sure it's, like, hidden. Yeah. And then opens it up and it says, help me. No, it says, I need help. I need help. And you're just like, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Like, just, I, I loved, like, you've, you've always had, like, a really good relationship with your mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, too. I mean, you joined custody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I had a really rocky relationship with my mom for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it really wasn't until, like, I moved back from Arizona mm-hmm. and then, like, got engaged and got married and uh, it, it's taken a lot uh-huh. and a lot of time and a lot of both of us making, like, okay, I'm just not going to bring this up. Okay, I'm not going to, like, you know, making the de- Yeah, like, making the decisions of, like, okay, I shouldn't bring this up yet. Or, like, like with your tattoo. Yeah, she stopped bringing up my tattoos. Like, she's like, okay, I'm, it, this obviously upsets Pamela. Mm-hmm. Same way, like, I don't bring up a lot of, like stuff that happened in high school mm-hmm. they're compromises we're making to just be like okay if we're gonna have a healthy relationship we both gotta let some shit go yeah and um it's, it's really powerful like you know nowadays i feel like i feel so close to her and i feel so like stuff with like mothers and daughters now hit me a lot harder mm-hmm. because i feel like when you go through that really rough part and then you kind of become an adult yeah and especially because, like, the moment you hit an adult, you're like, oh, shit, my parent is not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to see that kind of growth between Becca and her mom, who are both holding on to grudges. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go was just, like, the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh. <laughs> I got some hot sauce in my eyes. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. Like, we get the, the final showdown. It's the final showdown. I was about to say Captain Adam. I'm like, that's that's no. not what I wanted to say. Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get the final showdown. And like, all the lights are on in the house. Or no, not all the lights. Like, the lights aren't on. Like, there's candles. No, they, they have all the lights the on. The lights are on. And, and they, have, and candles, they have candles. And yeah. everybody has a flashlight. Yeah. And then... You get a nice exterior shot of the house. And it's all lit up. It's all, all lit up. And then... All the lights get turned off. Like, you know, like the breaker broke out or something. Broke yeah. out? The breaker broke. I don't know what that the is. The breaker broke out. <laughs> breaker broke out. Breaker broke out. Breaker broke out. Um, so yeah, like, just no light. And it's all just candlelight now. Oh, which is so creepy. Which, another random fact of randomness. Oh, I'm, I'm loving these because normally Ash and I discuss... Like, All of our notes and my random facts randomness. But we, we decided with this season, um, I don't get to know random facts before nope. this, so I'm hearing them for the first time with you guys. <laughs> so, my random fact of randomness is that David F. Sandberg, the director, decided to focus on natural lighting for a lot of the scenes. Hmm. So when it's candlelight, it's literally just candlelight. Oh, shit. Or when it's fluorescent lighting... 
So, like, the red light in the, you know, the blinking red light of the neon light that was outside of Becca's Dude, window. Dude, camera off on this. I give you such applause for getting and such clean shots. And the jobs. black light. It was just the black it light. It was just the black light. Oh, fuck. Okay, first of all, that makes shooting that scene seem so much scarier. Yeah. Imagine, oh, no, no, no. Because it's completely dark and literally any, all that's lighting up your, your set is a fucking black light that you're holding. Yeah. That, that is impressive for, like, also that crew. Yeah. Like, knowing, that's gotta be a lot of, like, step rehearsals to know where people are going and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, give it up to the crew of Lights Out. Damn, guys. (laughs) Um, so yeah, most, like, a lot of the lighting was all literally just... What was on screen. What was on screen. That's, that's really cool, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was even thinking, I think, um... I think it's it's in the scene in her apartment mm-hmm. that I, I was going with it. Uh, I kind of started noticing it. I'm like, the lighting is so clean. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, because they that was the only fucking lighting. Because you always get those like, uh, I mean, they they make the joke in Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. where the turn the moon up. Yeah. Uh, where in so many horror films it'll be nighttime, but it's so well lit mm-hmm. for being two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but in this film, like you did get a lot of shots where it was the light, and you couldn't see anything. Yeah, like the you moonlight. See the literally just the moonlight showing through the window. That's it. That's all you get, and it makes it for such a more terrifying viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I think, and like, um, so and, like especially so like. For me, I think one of... So this movie didn't really have very much hashtag Ash's Nightmare fuel. Because the the silhouette didn't really scare me as much because I was like, okay, I've now accepted that this creepy silhouette is here. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I would jump every time it was there and like, <laughs> you know, because... We, we were both a little jumpy. Because, you know, it, it's a jump scare movie. Yeah. Um... But I think the thing that kind of fueled my nightmares a little bit was in the ba- was in the basement scene. I'm aware. So is my leg. <laughs> she might have a small bruise on her leg. I got punched. Thankfully, it's the only punch I got. Yeah, the only punch she got through the entire movie. Uh, before we get to the basement scene, I do want to bring up this entire film. Everybody was fucking smart. Everybody was fucking smart the whole fucking film. Why the fuck did Becca leave Martin in the bed? That the is point. the only yeah. dumb like because normally like I I watch horror films. And yeah, I have seen so many of them that I I become like the lady screaming at the screen. Don't go down the fucking basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this film didn't really have any of it. Yeah. All the characters were smart. They were well-crafted. But Becca waking up, seeing all the lights are out, and then not waking up Martin. Because obviously the kid's going to wake up or it's going to get him. Mm-hmm. Dude, wake up your brother. Yeah. Also, I'm kind of glad that we didn't watch this with Mina. Why? She lives in a house with a creepy basement. Oh, yeah, we've already traumatized, we traumatized her with The Conjuring. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mina, if you're listening, don't watch Lights Out. Just don't. I don't think Mina particularly watches horror films on her own mm-hmm. that we don't make her watch. True. But, yeah, just don't. Even if, like, you know, whatever guy you're dating don't says, hey, let's watch Lights Out, don't. Don't. Not um, But, yeah, so the basement scene when, you know, she's, again, it's all lit by a blacklight. You see all the writing on the walls written yeah. in blood. So, you see uh, the melted fucking stuck. weird mannequins. Yeah, so the uh, Martin and Becca end up getting trapped. In the basement, yeah. And that's what I was talking about when they do the slamming thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at that point the, the idea is that she 
I don't know if Diana is intent on killing them. I don't know if she's got... I don't know if she has that mental... I don't think she wants to kill them. She just wants... Them away. Away. Yeah. She just wants They can live in the basement. Just you'll never speak to the mom again. Uh, We did get the one fucking cool shot, though, with Brett before that. Yeah. Where he gets outside because he's, like, checking, and it looks like the whole street's out. Yeah. And, uh... Diana comes and gets him and, uh, like, slashes his leg and does all the stuff. And then she picks him up. And it really looks like, you know, Bane and Batman style. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, snap your back. And he turns on his car. Yep. With a little, then, like, beep, beep. And then the lights shine and just, he drops. Yeah, and he falls. And then he, he drives away, which for a minute you're worried. Yeah. For a minute you're like, what the fuck, dude? Because at this point, uh, yeah, Martin and Becca are in there. And they're they're feeding a fire and they're doing all this stuff and then Becca finds a black light which leads to in yeah the most terrifying sequence of this fucking film. yeah so she ends up going into this weird fucking room in the basement with all the blood written words on the on the walls the creepy melted mannequins <laughs> and you actually see Diana yeah you don't see this like I mean like there's a couple times where you see her like you know the the jump scare. You there's a the, shadowy figure, there's a shadowy figure, and then... You get the eyes, that's about it. You get the eyes, and then you see her, like, in, like, this, like, in between two pieces of, like, wood. Well, no, you see her first, uh, it, it's a real quick... What no, I, you see her hand. You actually see her hand, remember? No, you see her face, because it's, it goes mannequin, 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 and then it's oh, her yeah, hair. Oh, yeah, and then her hair. And then she turns. turns. And then that's when you see the face. And yeah. that's when Becca takes... I did like that, that they never stayed on her. Yeah. Which I think is more terrifying, because you, you can't remember all the pieces, you just remember the flashes. Yeah, you remember the, like, the flash of her face being like, And the skin. And the skin burning, and she puts the light, the, the black light literally on her skin. No, it's, she puts the, she has The flashlight. Her, yeah. yeah, she puts the, mag, the um, windy flashlight on her skin, and, and you see it, like, burned. burning away. Well, even then, before that, when you see her, like, with the black light, she's got these, like, burnt chunks mm-hmm. of skin. Probably from every time a light has turned on. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. And another fun fact about, our uh, random fact of randomness about um, the actress. So the suit that they made, her costume, Mm -hmm. was all practical effects. Oh, I love you, movie. Yep, this movie, that, another, like, Javier, uh, Javier, (laughs) David, um, wanted to focus Mostly on using um, practical effects, practical effects as much as possible versus CGI. Um, I'm so, trying to think what CGI shot would it even need to be in here? The only thing, which is what I'm getting to, so her suit um, or like her costume was created as a pro- as a photorealistic prosthetic suit that could also act as a green suit to remove her from the scene when the light came on. The designer of the suit previ- previously created the title character of Mrs. Doubtfire. Huh. But yeah. That's an interesting jump. So, like, her suit, the, literally, probably the only CG that really might have happened was them being able to remove her. Was being able to remove her. Oh, that's really cool. So, like, every time the light turned on, she is still there. Yeah. But she would just be able of, to take her out. It, they would just be able to take her out. Oh, that's fucking sick. That's really cool. I was I was thinking, I'm like, how did they do that? Because there's a few shots where it's a continuous shot of the light like going, the on, light going and off. on and off. And her just moving. Yeah. That's really fucking yeah. cool. Um, 
But I remember like this skin and she's, she, it, it had a very much like, um, like old witchy hag look, mm -hmm. which I, I love that look. Cause I feel like the, the crazy hair, the emaciated body, the long hands will, will always be a terror thing. Like mm -hmm. it's always going to be creepy. Nobody yeah. wants to see that shit. Yep. Um, so we get this gorgeous scene and then it goes up. And then the fucking cops show up. Because Brad actually, Brett didn't actually run away. He brought the cops. He was a good boyfriend. Once again, Brett, you've proved me wrong. Men are not swine. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> um, and poor Brett's like, grab flashlights. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. And the cops are like, okay. I can't blame the cops. I can't blame yeah, Whatever, dude. You're fucking crazy. You're, you're... It's probably domestic abuse. Whatever. We got this. It's fine. It's fine. Uh so they go in, they get them out of the basement, mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of get the idea of both the cops, well, you get the idea of both the cops are dead, and then you get to see one of the cops with his fucking eyeballs plucked out. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. And then, It's uh, kind of floating. Yeah, just eyebrow, eyeballs. Um, but yeah, you just literally see the male cop floating and like i just imagine like she's probably got him by like the scruff of his shirt yeah and he's just kind of dead lifeless body with like no eyes just floating and then drops, drops. and then uh they, they get martin out yep and then uh becca kind of tries to take her on in this like heroic motion mm -hmm. and then that's actually where you find out uh diana killed her father yeah because originally throughout the whole film, we had it been said that, like, oh, her father left, her father abandoned them, mm -hmm. and you find out Diana's killed the dad, too. Yeah. And so it, you get this, like, she gets thrown off the thing, how is this going to end, Diana, Diana's about to kill her, oh god, how will this be saved? And then we get, I think, the biggest twist mm -hmm. of the entire movie. Which I think, like, this twist, you know, like... I we usually have our at the very end of this thing we usually have like what was your badass bitch moment? This is yours. This was mine. Yeah, because I think like it was the mom realizing just what she had to do. Yeah, and it, it's so powerful. So the mom has a gun and Diana's like, it's not gonna, you can't hurt me. That's not gonna do anything. And the mom ends up uh, shooting herself and killing herself. Yeah, because she, she's like. No. There's no you without me. There's no you without me. And then she says it again. There's no you without me. And just, like, just, the, the gun is, like, shaking oh, by her so... head. And, like, you just see the tears drum down her face as she's, like, look, because, like, she's, she's she sees Diana, but she's looking at Becca. She's like, I have to protect my children. <sighs> chills. Still, yep. I still get chills talking and about And then she it. shoots her head, like, she blows her brains, and Diana literally just... <sighs> It's, like this, yeah. I think that probably was also CG. That prop, that bit. Was yeah, probably, that part had yeah. to be CG. Um, but it was, it was so powerful. In the very end, you just you kind of get Becca and Brett and Martin, and they're all sitting in like the ambulance, like holding each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we have each other. Yeah. So you you get the the a family unit in mm -hmm. the idea, which I think is is the main kind of like if you look from the beginning, you have the mom. You have Martin, you have Becca, and you have Brett, and they're all very disconjointed. They don't yeah. they don't have a relationship. The, there's no connection, and by the end, seeing them three of them together, 
was so... Like, I, I'm not... I mean, we've talked about this so many times in this movie, in this mm-hmm. podcast, sorry. That I don't like bows. I hate bows. Yeah. I liked this bow. Because mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like, oh, this is a scary movie and now we're going to put a bow on top of it. It felt like a natural resolution. It felt like the character growth was really natural. Yeah. Becca never suddenly turned into, like, a super loving character. No, she was just like... Becca's still at the end when she's giving the, the drawer to Brett. She's still snarky. She's mm-hmm. still sarcastic. Yeah. Nobody does, like, a 180. Mm-hmm. But do they grow, they learn to love each other, they, they get better. Yeah. And, ladies and gentlemen, that is how you put a bow on a movie. Mm-hmm. Naturally. You just, you tie it very slowly and very naturally. You don't just, like... It's put not, you know, like, it's a... You, you tie the bow. You don't put one of those, like, sticky bows on top. Yeah. You tie the bow. Tie the bow, people. Tie the bow. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I think we'll finish up this podcast with a couple more random facts, and then we'll do our... Woman and powerful. Our our woman and powerful moments, and, uh, we'll do the rating. Um, so a couple more random facts of randomness. Uh, Teresa, uh, Teresa Palmer, who played Becca, Mm -hmm. hadn't seen the, hadn't seen the design for Diana before filming, until she filmed her very first scene with her on... The completely dark set. Oh, fuck no. Yep. The intention, the, uh, this was an intentional directorial choice, so as to provoke a genuine reaction of fear when seeing the design. Alicia Vela Bailey, the woman in the costume who was, uh, was previously Diana's stunt, or Teresa's stunt double in I Am Number 4. Hmm. It would have ruined the effect that she had on her prior to, or prior to the scene, because she would have recognized her. Oh, that's interesting, because yeah. it also reminds me how we did, uh, the last movie, It, how the first time they saw Bill Skarsgård's mm-hmm. thing was, I think that's smart, don't show them, like, get that shot. Yeah. Like, you actually want, you, I mean, get the genuine fear of seeing this for the first fucking Fuck time. Yeah. Um, also, another fact about Diana um, or She's the actress really that played Diana, who was really fucking hot. So when we so we watched on Amazon Prime, and you know how like they have those little photos, photos of the people you can oh, click yeah. on them and the IMDb. So we're like, okay, there's Becca, there's the mom, there's the kid, there's Ooh. Brett. Who the fuck is that? That gorgeous, so beautiful woman. And like we, I moved the screen up with the controller, Diana. I'm like, what? You're so pretty. Hmm. Confused boner. Confused <laughs> Just like Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Alicia was the original stunt, um, so Alicia originally was going to be the stunt double for whoever was supposed to play the character of Diana. Oh. Um, and Diana was actually supposed to be somewhat pretty. Interesting. But when David saw what she could do because of her dance background, mm. he immediately wanted to, her to play the character and turned her into a ferocious animalistic creature literally just because with her dance background and she ballet can she can move her body in those just like really jerky really way. jerky ways he was just like no we're not making her pretty we're now going to make her like i i don't know how it would have because worked like, with her being pretty well i don't think they would have made her pretty i think they probably would have just probably kept like the little girl they, they might have also done like a mama thing where it's not like pretty but it's more like feminine yeah and they might have kept it like that. I, I, I loved the design for Diana. I mm-hmm. loved it so much. 
But yeah, so those are my um, my little random facts of randomness. The randomness of random. <laughs> um, and so now I think we'll go into like our badass bitch moments. Uh-huh. I I mentioned mine earlier was you the got mom. Yours. Yeah, what was yours, Ella? Um, I'm really trying to think of like the the scene that I felt was just really really powerful. Um, you know, it it's not badass in the way like we normally do, where it's a girl taking a a sledgehammer or the, the mom taking the gun. I, I have to go back to the scene in a badass way of emotions of Becca and her mom. Because that is so hard. Mm-hmm. To, to the underlying conversation that's happening there and Becca staying in that house. Yeah. Her mom hugging her. The, the, the mom for the first time, like, reaching out. Mm-hmm. Because the mom the whole time has been like, I'm in control, I have this, I don't need anyone's help. Becca being like, I'm not going to stay here, I'm not doing this. It, it, it was such a, from two characters who are so powerful in crazy land, <laughs> um, to, to be so vulnerable. Yeah. And, and to kind of let that guard down, I feel like was so powerful. Um, it With those characters, I feel like that was a badass moment for both of them just being like, Okay, I'm. I love you, and I'm. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna stay here, and I'm. I'm gonna do this. And her being like, "Okay, I, I need your help. Like, I need. I need this." It was such a deep feeling for mm-hmm. me. Um, so we normally start with. Well, sorry, I wanted oh. to. I wanted to follow a little bit up on that. So, yeah. like, the reason why I picked this scene where mom used the gun to kill Diana, yeah. by shooting herself, is because I feel like. In that moment, the mom realizes this is the only way that this can happen. I have to, like, for me to break this connection, mm-hmm. I have to woman up. Yep. I also think it's, it's interesting because I feel like that that's kind of the first time that she stood up to Diana. Yeah. The entire film. The, yeah, the entire film, she's just like, oh, it's my fault. It's, you know, I'm worried about Diana. And in that moment, she realizes, no. I need to stand up for myself. I need to stand up against Diana. And I this is the only for my way. Kids. Yeah. I need to stand up for my kids. It's not, you know, oh, I'm being a badass and I'm using a gun. It's that emotional change of, I can't let this happen anymore. And I think that's, that's what makes this film so good. It's not only is the horror really good, um, but I think, like, how... I think we discussed this in, like, Leprechaun. Mm-hmm. We discussed the small casts in horror films. Yeah. Um, there's... Four characters. We we've got like maybe the CPS agent. I don't think there's another character though. Yeah, and yeah, the two cops. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's literally like the only other characters I can think of Mm -hmm. in this film. Um, and so by keeping it to like four characters, and they did this a lot in the '90s, like where it's the kids woods cut off. Um, like how we're discussing in like Leprechaun and like those '90s, you you care. Where you feel like in some horror films, by the time somebody dies, you're not particularly invested. And that's kind of how I felt with Mama, too. Yeah, you were so... I, like, we said again, four characters. Well, five, I guess, if you count the shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, you're so invested, and you get to see the The, the, the growth. Their, yeah, their arc, their growth. So by the end of it, you, you, you care deeply. Like, you, you care about... And I think it's... 
like you talking about like the mom shooting herself it's breaking out of a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and we've both had to do that and they were dramatic <laughs> mine involved a van and moving states um twice <laughs> okay just realized that uh but it's that power of i think a mother loving her children so much to to break out of that mm-hmm. uh, that is so powerful yeah all right so we'll go ahead and give our ratings um i will start first okay what are, what are we going we gave a i'm gonna give it a four mm. yeah i'm gonna give it a four a solid four I absolutely loved it. It had its moments, you know, it had its powerful moments. It had its jump scares where I was just legitimately like, ugh, no. It had its nightmare fuel. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm going to give it a solid four. A solid four. Um, I I feel so, like, season one, I'll be so angry at me because I'm going to give it a 4.5. Season one, I was such the fucking critic, but, like, our first three episodes... <laughs> You're like, 4.5, 4.5. Also, I feel like I'm picking shit. <laughs> it's it's going to change in, like, three weeks once Ash starts being able to pick things, and I'll go back to being a critic. It's because I love these things. <laughs> um, For those of you, again, who can't see, because this is a podcast, not a video thing. I got the puckered face. Yeah, she got like, the puckered face and the, like, squinted eyes, like... Mm. Bitch, you wouldn't like my shit. <laughs> um, but I gave it four point. I loved the character arcs. Diana, I, I will say this to the end of the day, her design is so good. It's original. It leaves an imprint. If I walked in and just saw that figure standing there, even if it was a motherfucking cutout. I would be terrified. I would I would lock myself in the bathroom. <laughs> with um, the light on. <laughs> with the light on. Um, it was just so good. It was so powerful. I loved it. This is my second time watching it. And, like, uh, it definitely loses a little bit of fear factor the second time you watch it. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, there are jump scares. Uh, but I feel like the second time watching it, I was able to dive more in with the characters. And that, like... It, it resonated still. Like, mm-hmm. I still felt everything. I still experienced everything, which I think is impressive because I feel like some horror films don't have rewatchability. Yeah. Like, oh, it's scary. It's jumpy. This is the twist. Done. Mm-hmm. Never need to watch you again. This, I'm like, no, I could put this on. <laughs> Maybe not to go to bed. No. Maybe <laughs> not before 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, but I, I really loved it. Um, next week on the podcast. We're going to be doing our first Monster of the Month. Yep. Our, uh, you know, Ella here is our cryptozoologist. She loves... I like my monsters. She loves all things monsters. So we're, we're going to delve a little bit into the lore, the facts, the craziness that is zombies. They are everywhere. They You cannot go ten feet in any place without seeing a zombie something. So we are going to be covering... The evolution of zombies in literature, movies, television. Video games. Video games. God, geez, zombies. zombies are literally everywhere. Zombies are everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you see you are. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. <laughs> when when it's not scary. <laughs> um, and as always. Oh, wait, no, that's you. <laughs> I'm like, you're still in my lens, bitch. Um, also, you can email us at sirensofhorror.com. Uh, Gmail. 
Sirensofhorror.com. That's not an actual email address. Sirensofhorror at gmail.com. And as always... Good. Bad. We're the girls with the mic. All right, everybody. Don't turn out the lights.